And welcome to The Clergy Next Door. I'm Rabbi Evan Ravsky from Synagogue Emmanuel in Charleston, South Carolina. Pastor Eric Childers, St. Matthew's Lutheran Church, Charleston, South Carolina. And uh, we're here this week to talk to everyone about blessing, prayer, and worship. Uh, how they are the same, how they're different in, uh, in conservative Judaism and Lutheranism. I love this topic. First of all, I love to talk about this in our own church, and I've taught about this and wrote about this, um, worship and liturgics. That's kind of the uh, God school word for this. But I, it's very, um, I think, um, integral to our time together as all people of faith to talk about worship and to understand. I, and one, some of the article, one of the articles I did was why we do the things we do in worship. And it's so important, I think, for us to understand what that is so that we can then sort of know what's happening and find meaning in this. But I think we first need to define terms because as we've talked before, there are some differences even in those basic terms. Yeah, I, I don't think blessing, prayer, and worship are going to mean the same thing mm. for all of us. And, and when I know often when you've talked about those things, I've taken pause because they mean something different in Judaism. So um, defining them will certainly uh, help everyone understand yes. the conversation a little bit better. And uh, even as even as we define them to start off with, as we continue to talk uh, throughout this episode, I think that we're going to keep on sort of redefining what they mean or, or explore different levels of what they mean, because we can't really give a, we can give a basic definition of each of these terms. But as we know, with religion, the more we talk about it, the more complicated it gets. Exactly. And gosh, just in our pre-conversation here, it's already complicated because there's so many things related to worship. So where should we start? Uh, let's start with blessings. What are blessings in Christianity? So um, one of the interesting things that I found is, as we were talking, we often will say that we're blessing. Um, let's say let's say we have a new chalice for communion or a ciborium, which is uh, a, it looks like a chalice, but it holds the sacrament, the bread, the wafer. Um, we use this as part of our furnishings, part of our worship um, 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 accessories that we use. So let's say somebody gives a, a new one and we've we've damaged one. So we say that we bless what it. What are you guys doing that you damage uh, well, it's, a, a it's that's, very, that's some hard it, drinking it and bread eating. It's hard I mean, drinking you know. at communion. You're right. It's very funny you say that because just a few weeks ago, a lid fell, and it was. We just turned it. Uh, Daniel uh, uh, was helping on the chancel, and he turns, and it, it slipped off, and it it damaged. It dent. It just yeah, fell. Dented. Here's the thing: these things are like five thousand dollars to to replace, and now the silversmith is not in town. But anyway, it's more than you want to know. Uh, unless it, you're asking for donations from our listeners exactly to replace. That, well, it. that's right. That's right. I just <laughs> had a conversation yesterday because these are. It, they do take wear and tear. Um, back on topic. Okay. Uh, yeah, back on topic. It's still very interesting, though. So let's say we have a new one. Well, I use the term, we're blessing this new item. That's probably not the most precise term, although I think that's what our liturgy calls it. Um, we, it's probably better to say we're consecrating it, meaning um, we are, are asking the Holy Spirit to come and set this aside and, 
as mark this as sacred or special. Um, so it's like a sacred ground, a church is, uh, or, or a synagogue for that matter, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, would be considered a sacred ground because it is set aside by God as sacred ground. Maybe, maybe not. No. Yeah, no, okay. No. Well, well, that's another topic. <laughs> well, another topic. So uh, that's for a blessing. But we also say a blessing at, at our blessing at mealtime is come Lord Jesus be our guest and let these gifts to us be blessed. It's whatever. If we, if you and I were going to have dinner, I would find a more a neutral sort of blessing that would still call upon our same God of Abraham. Um, and um, so blessings can be, uh, they're, they're sprinkled throughout our lives. So when we talk about blessings, though, from, from your tradition, are yes. we talking about when, when you bless something, right? Mm-hmm. Are you, because I think this is maybe where one of the, the bigger differences come in. Are you blessing the item? Are you blessing the, the person, God, who, Jesus, who are you, or what are you blessing when you say a blessing? We are setting aside this person for specific service. Maybe we're sending one thing, for instance, uh, when parishioners leave, congregants leave and go to another church or maybe just leave town. Um I like to do a Godspeed and sending. And so we, we say a blessing for them, but it is essentially setting them apart for worship in their or, or service in their next place, wherever they land. It's sending a blessing with them. It's sending God with them. Um, yeah, so that's, that's um, so if we're, let's perhaps we have a new banner that we process in. We're, we're not really blessing it as much as we're setting it aside consecrating it setting it apart to be to be named as sacred in our worship moments together interesting so so blessings in hebrew it's brachot Mm -hmm. for us um are are very different um we uh, we always have an item that we say a bracha blessing over but but rarely is it the object that is being blessed so to speak it's more uh, like thanking god for creating the object to bringing us to that moment to uh, giving us strength allowing us to celebrate um, or declaring faith in god in in more troubling moments um, so for for example um, for us a meal is something that constitutes only when you have bread at the table so that. that's why that's we sweet. have challah on friday nights right you've got the two loaves for the double portion of of manna that god gave to the israelites while they were wandering in the in the wilderness um but we have that double portion which god gave on friday night so on our friday night shabbat tables we have two loaves of challah and we say a blessing called hamotzi right which ends with the words hamotzi lechem min haaretz the full blessing translates to praised are you lord our god ruler of the universe who brings forth bread from the ground mm. um and so we have the chalas there but there's no actually blessing of the bread it's more thanking god for the bread and then afterwards you eat there's always yeah. an action with us. There's almost always an action that goes along with the blessing. So we thank God for bringing bread from the ground. We eat bread. Uh, at the start of all of our holidays, we light candles, and we thank God for giving us the commandment of lighting candles, of bringing that light into our homes, and then you light the candles. Uh, we ritually wash our hands before we eat bread, Again, a, a, an action that goes along with the blessing. And it's like that in for, for almost every blessing uh, in Judaism. There are other blessings that you say when you witness something. 
if we see a rainbow in the sky or we hear thunder or see lightning, uh, there are special blessings that you say uh, praising God's majesty and power, but it, it's because you saw something. And again, it's praising God or thanking God, not necessarily uh, consecrating an object or, or a person. Okay, so as you say it that way, we're even more similar than different because in every one of these blessings, it's always pointing back to God. It's always given to the glory of God for this service or for this purpose. So I think it's probably more, um, we're probably more similar than dissimilar here. And as I think about, you know, the our liturgical books, our little, um, our clergy handbooks, you know, that we can, our cheat sheets, they're, they're filled with all of these very specific blessings. I suspect yours are too yeah, as yeah. well, that, that are for this particular moment, in case you don't want to, uh, if, or, or are not able to really to pray extemporaneously, or if you want to point to a very specific, specific liturgical prayer. So I think after hearing that explanation, it actually is more similar because it always does point back to God. And we're putting, we're, we're, we're setting aside this object or person um, for, for God. Even when we retire the debt on our, our note, we had a special uh, burning of the debt. And you, you know, exactly. And we had a mortgage burning exactly, too. Back, exactly. You know. And it, again, it all is going to point back to God. So I think we're probably more similar than not when we're talking about blessings. It's interesting when you talk about consecrating uh, an object for God is that in Judaism, that is where it started mm. when we had the temple in Jerusalem before the year 70 CE. Um, our ancestors were required to bring sacrifices to the temple, you know, of, at different points of, of the year. And the animal that was sacrificed had to be blemish free. And uh, so we often look at it and we say, well, you know, if you're coming from the south of Israel, the north of Israel, where it's, where it's rocky, Jerusalem's in a rocky area, how do you get uh, an animal you know, from far away in Israel to Jerusalem without it, you know, scraping its knee or its leg mm. on, on some rocky ground. What our ancestors were actually able to do was to consecrate the, the cows mm. or, the, or the sheep or the goat. And they were able to do it by saying, like, I intend to sacrifice this goat at the temple. Mm -hmm. But then they were able to transfer that consecration to coins mm. to say you know the goat is worth x amount of of shekels and so the the consecration transferred to the shekels then they could only use those shekels at the the temple so they would bring it to Jer the, the money to the temple in jerusalem and then uh, as we know around the temple there were other places where you could then buy animals mm -hmm. so they would go to the temple they would buy they would buy a, a sheep or a goat that was already in jerusalem mm -hmm. transfer the consecration from the coins to the new animal and then be able to sacrifice that animal in the uh in the temple in place of the animal that they had yes, back home like a sacred earmark like a sacred earmark yeah, that, and it can yeah, transfer right yeah. that, that you know obviously when the destruction of of the temple happened or the second temple happened in the year 70 uh we stopped doing sacrifices judaism changed uh in its in its nature and we don't do sacrifices like mm -hmm. that anymore but the the idea does exist in our history mm -hmm. just not uh today Okay. I, and by the way, another time we can get back, I love the way you explained to me um, the, the idea of sacrifice. It's, it's not, I think, how folks necessarily 
thing, uh, it, uh, quid pro quo, this for that. It actually is a communion in a sense. So anyway, that's a different topic. I, I am, look, I'm getting us <laughs> off on topic now. Um, so maybe a word. Well, what's next? I was going to say a word about the pattern of worship, but are we there yet or should we do? Um, so it's, this is where, this is where we, we run into one of those problems. <clears throat> so I was going from like small to big. So I think at least in Judaism, blessings can be smaller. They, mm-hmm. Sometimes they're longer, but they're individual. Often they're one line, right? One sentence. Whereas for us, prayer, which in Hebrew we call tefillah, is much bigger. Um, but this idea of prayer and worship, perhaps you should go first, because for us, prayer and worship is synonymous. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's some uh, nuanced differences in, there are. in your tradition. There are. So um, prayer is sprinkled all throughout worship. So let me, I guess, explain briefly what worship is in the pattern that we follow. And again, this changes wildly from Christian church to Christian church. Pentecostals are going to um, uh, worship much differently than Roman Catholics, and Methodists are going to be different than Quakers, etc. You get the idea. Um, I'm just going to go about talk about Lutherans here, and, and, I will, and I'm going to talk about ELCA Lutherans too. That you're going to have to you, explain that because okay. I don't think we explained it. Yes. way back when when we did the introductions to okay. our denominations. The so. ELCA Lutheran is like I would liken it to. Uh, I would liken it to conservative Judaism. I think others are going to disagree and say that we are um, more reformed, but we are certainly not orthodox. What does um, it stand for? Let's uh, start. Oh. Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We definitely do need to do a uh, specific, um, because I can't drop the evangelical word without, right. but just trust us, we'll come back to this another time. Uh, ELCA. So this is ELCA worship. Um, we... So we follow when, when Martin Luther, um, when the reforms came from the Reformation, uh, one of the changes that didn't happen was, for the most part, worship. We kept that pattern, that ancient ordo, um, which is um, the Roman Catholic mass. So many of even my parishioners, my congregates, probably don't know that it's really the mass. We could say outside that. We are, we have mass Sundays at 10 a.m. I think it would make a lot of them nervous because they, well, we're not Roman Catholic. Well, <laughs> no, we're not, but we we share that that um, liturgy, that that ancient pattern. And essentially, the pattern is um, that Luther did add a few things. Um, one of them was the hymn of the day, um, which comes as a response the the congregation's response to the sermon but um we essentially follow a the ordo which is gathering word meal and sending those four parts now not every service has to be a a communion service which would be a a meal service but many of them are um we i'll say a word about the different times of the day in a moment but the gathering is when we gather together and we we are gathered together and we in that part of the service we confess our sins we are we receive forgiveness um, we have a gathering song we if we are a highly liturgical church we will process in um, the cross banners torches etc bible um, or which not, i've seen when i've been yes. there when i was there uh, last year in december for oh yes the, for um, the uh, lessons and carols yes yes, yes. Uh, and that was really wasn't even a festival service that so but yes there there are um there, it varies even from week to week how we how often we do this. The word portion includes a um, 
uh, readings from the Holy Scriptures. Um, from We usually have an Old Testament um, reading, a Psalm, a New Testament reading, and a Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And then we have a, usually a children's moment a, a, where children come up and they have their time. Um, we have the sermon. We have the prayers. That's also part of the word, when you pray for and are prayed for by others. Um, and all of this is moving us toward the meal. Toward, and then we have this reconciliation moment where we shake hands, share the peace. Um, some churches kiss and all of that. But um, it's a moment for us to have this, this show, this demonstrated reconciliation before we sit down. I put in air quotes, sit down for a meal together around uh, Holy Communion. Um, we have Holy Communion. We um, are and in Holy Communion. We can have a whole session on Holy Communion, but we have this meal time together. And then after this, we are sent. The last part is the sending. We are sent into the world to love and serve. Now, the reason we are sent, not is because we have to do anything. We're not obligated uh, to earn um, our salvation. We are sent out of a, a uh, spirit of thanksgiving and gratitude to go out and love and serve. That's essentially our worship each week. And blessings and prayers are sprinkled throughout. We have we have prayers for uh, a prayer of the day, which is sometimes called a collect, which collects all of the themes for the day and and um, into one moment. Uh, we also have um, uh, prayers before Holy Communion, after Holy Communion prayers for all the individuals. So prayers are sprinkled throughout for certain occasions in the service. So interesting because hearing you explain it like that, again, I see more similar. The more we talk about these terms, the more similarities I see, even though we're using the terms differently. Because because I've been to a service and they are, even though it's Hebrew and I don't, you know, I don't, I know what's happening essentially. Right. So we can, we can talk, you know, you talked a little bit about Sunday. I'll talk about uh, our Saturday morning services yes. for our our Sabbath. Um, you know, Jews are are commanded to pray three times a day. So we pray in the in the evening, the the morning, and the afternoon. Often the afternoon and evening uh, are right up against each other because if we do it at the right time of day, you can do one right after the other. Mm. Um, you know, for Judaism, the uh, the day starts at night, mm-hmm. right? We actually, la- just last week in synagogue, we read uh, the first chapters of Genesis. And because that first chapter says there was evening and there was morning, the first day, second day, third day, if evening came first. So our our date cha- changes uh, with the with the sun setting with really when three stars come out uh, in the sky and it's and it's officially night uh, we the date on the Hebrew calendar changes so the so, evening uh, prayer is actually the first prayer of the new day and so for our Christian listeners listening that's how the math works out that Easter is on the third day because we follow the Jewish Sabbath um, we're we actually follow much more closely with Christianity follows the Jewish pattern very closely too the, the Hebraic pattern as well yeah so. But on, on Saturday mornings, on Shabbat morning, our services, right, our, our worship is starts at 9.30 a.m., um, but it's comprised of smaller services, right? We've got the morning service. We have the Torah, which is, which is prayers. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, it's not prayers for individuals so much as it's collective prayers for what we want, what we're thanking God for. The, the liturgy maybe yes. is is a better um, comparison with, with yes. what you're talking about, pr- 
prayers, um, but our liturgy is is fixed. Ours too. I, after you finish, I'll say because again, ours is going to follow very closely. But uh, you go, and I'll. Yeah. Uh, and so and so we have you know the the order of prayers within the service. Then we go from the morning service into uh, the Torah service, which is when we bring the Torah, the five books of Moses, out. Um, we read a selection from it every week that progresses through from Genesis 1 to Deuteronomy 34. So we read the entire Torah over the course of a year. So we just started mm -hmm. again with Genesis mm -hmm. 1. After the Torah service is, uh, or after reading the Torah, I should say, we uh, uh, chant the Haftorah, which is a selection from the prophets, right? From the book of the prophets, uh, when... Uh, our enemies, right? When when governments want to oppress Jews, at least in ancient times, one of the first things they would always do is outlaw the studying of Torah. If you outlaw the studying of someone's most basic religious texts, it disconnects them from the religion. So what our rabbis had done was they selected thematically similar uh, pieces from the Book of Prophets that we would read and study in place of reading the Torah. Mm -hmm. So last week we read, you know, the, the half Torah would be something about creation, mm -hmm. uh, you know, maybe from the book of Joshua um, or somewhere else. It's not uh, unlike reading the Torah, reading the prophets isn't uh, what we'll call chronological, right? It doesn't start at Joshua 1.1 and go through all the prophets. Um, it jumps all around. So after the, the half Torah, we put the Torah away then I give a, a sermon, and then we And your sermon is based on... I try to use the themes of the Torah portion um, to guide the sermon, but also it can just be about what's going on in the world. So, you know, lately it's been about Israel and mm. things going on. So it can be based on on what we've read, you know, updating the message, uh, using it as as a guide to, to give whatever message I want to give that week. But there are many weeks where um, I set the Torah portion aside and say, you know, much more important this week that we talk about uh, what's going on in, in the world or in our community rather than specifically what the, the Torah says. So there is that, that freedom that I'm not, you know, I don't have to stay just connected to the Torah portion. Um, and so, but so after we put the Torah away, we then have our Musaf service, which means additional in, in Hebrew. Um, and it's a special service for Shabbat and for, for holidays. Um, at the end of that service, we actually bring the kids up mm -hmm. um, uh, for the final prayer, the final piece of liturgy. Um, they come in from where our youth services are. Um, and then we go out to a meal. We go out to our Kiddush lunch, mm -hmm. um, and then we just send people away from the Kiddush lunch uh, afterwards. But it's a that is a, a full sit down meal. It's a little bit more more uh, hearty, I'll say, than than just communion. Than communion. Now, where do, is that? Always at a synagogue, or is that at, at a restaurant? No. Well, so what my congregants do when they leave, I don't know. But uh, we, it's in our social hall, okay. the room next to our. So like to every our every week, there's a there's a. Full meal. Just about every yeah. week, there's, wow, there's a really full neat. meal. Yeah, oh, that's really neat. Oh, let me say a word about first the lectionary because that there's a similarity there. Our you have you hear the Torah in one year. Um, our and when I say our, this is where we share with a lot of other Christians. Any church 
body on the common lectionary. The common lectionary is a three-year cycle, year A, B, and C, and it's um, Matthew is year A, then B, then C, Luke, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then John, Mark is the smallest of the Gospels. Mark, um, it, John is often sprinkled throughout John, because John is, um, is a different kind of gospel than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and that's a whole other, I know you're, it's very, that's I, I'll a I'll whole, say, as a Jew, I prefer Matthew, Mark, yeah. and Luke to John, so, you know, I'm okay with that. <laughs> that's for another time, too, but, but we, we hear, and because we have a lot more to cover, in a sense, because we have, we have uh, all of the Old Testament, and every time I say that term, I want us to unpack, we got to do a, 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 a because, I, when when Jews hear me say Old Testament, it makes it sound like the it. it we we need to have a conversation because right, I, I never even thought about what that meant until I was in divinity school and and we think about and often I'll call it the Hebrew Bible, but that's a like better it, term. Yes, for talking yes, about ours. Yes, so so yes. let's let's put a pin in it and we'll and we'll discuss yes. it later. But we won't keep our listeners on yeah, the hook. That's right. That's which right. Is, that's true. Which that's is basically true. to say that we all understand what we mean when we yes. say the Old Testament. But in in truth, the Old Testament and the Hebrew Bible uh, are not actually the same thing. There yes. there are slight differences, um, which we'll talk at a at another another time, another episode. That's right. That's right. Anyway, we, over three years, we have heard the the sacred scriptures for the most part. Uh, in three years. And then the other thing about, let me say a word about the prayers, prayers of intercession. Um, we are, um, we offer these prayers in this very, um, it's, it's a loose pattern, but we know where, what, where we're going every week. And I don't know if our, if my parishioners, my congregants are, have really paid attention to this, but the first is we speak about, um, uh, the church universal. We talk about creation, we talk about, uh, we pray for creation. The next is we pray for leaders around the world. Then we pray for um, our own congregation, the ministers of our congregation, and then those in in our congregation and beyond who need uh, healing, prayers, etc. And then we pray for those, those saints, those who have died before us and gone, gone before us, those who have died. Um, and then we commend all these to God, all of these prayers to God. So there's a pattern each week. We do so, so there's a pa- so our pattern. There's a pattern for us too. It's different, but I know that that my congregants are sitting there with what you're saying and, and just saying, you know, check, 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 as they go through. It's probably just a different order, right? So again, sprinkled throughout our services, we have the same uh, thing. We have a, a prayer for those uh, who are sick and need healing. We have a prayer for our country, a prayer for the state of Israel, a prayer for uh, our community. Uh, we have uh, what we call the Mourner's Kaddish, which is actually a, an affirmation prayer. Mm-hmm. It's not about um, the the person who died, but it's about the person, the, the survivor, right? The, the mourners uh, affirming faith in God despite their their loss. Um, that's actually the, the very last thing that we do um, is the it, we say it a few times throughout the, the Saturday morning, but the last prayer um, of every service is the mourner's Kaddish uh, for that that affirmation of, of faith uh, in God before before leaving. But so, again, all these things, both our religions do both are, are within both of our services, our worship, um, just sounds like a different moments yes and um sprinkled through throughout as i know we're getting to an end one of the questions i want just and this may be a good end place is what do these worship services or these services 
accomplish? What do they do for us? What is the point, the so what of the, this time together? I, I, I always ask parishioners, my congregants, to think of that as well. What, why are we here? What are we doing here? So I think it's a, I mean, it's a big, it's a big question for, for Jews. I would say it's about community. Uh, Our prayer services look different if we're praying in community than if we're praying by ourselves. Even if you're praying by yourself, you're supposed to do that set liturgy that we talked about, but you have to take a few prayers out, such as the call to worship, such as uh, the mourner's Kaddish that I just mentioned. We don't say that if we're praying by ourselves because it's meant to be said in community. So you have the community comforting you, right? For for us, the mourners, everyone sits down. The mourners are the ones who stand up uh, to recite the Kaddish so that we can see and know who they are so we know who needs our our comfort. Mm. If And for us, what community means, praying in community, is 10 Jewish people above the age of 13. Uh, For a 13, it's when a a boy has his bar mitzvah, a girl has her bat mitzvah. It's like a coming of age ceremony. And 10 is the number that creates community. Um, It comes from a number of different places. Interesting enough, the first place that this idea of 10 making a community comes from is the stories of the spies in the book of Numbers, that when Moses sends in uh, the 12 spies into the land of Israel uh, and they come back with not such a great report, 10 of those spies come back with not such a great report. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, have have a really good one, but those 10 are identified as a community. So from something really uh, challenging or negative, right, comes something really positive, which that's how we identify 10 people makes makes uh, what we call a minion. A minion. And uh, when you have 10, you can say prayers that you otherwise wouldn't say. I, I would get back to uh, ours um, when two or three are gathered. So our, our minion, our quorum is... is Less, unless we're having a meeting, as we had talked about in another session. Um, well, I, I think our also our worship accomplishes many different things. And I know some parishioners, if um, particularly if I've given a sermon they really don't like and they are complaining, they say, you shouldn't really talk about that, Pastor. I come to church to feel good. No, that's not. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we we come. I come to church to praise God. Yes, but sometimes we need to come to lament. Sometimes we come to church because we are at our lowest point and we are broken and angry and all of these things. And we come to church to try to find meaning and bring some order out of chaos out in this world. Yes. I hope that by the end, people feel good and renewed and nourished by the Spirit. Um, But it's not always about um, kittens and rainbows. Sometimes we come, and this is what I hope neither of our faiths lose, because this is, I think, the purpose of all religion. We have to use religion to make meaning out of our lives and to bring order out of chaos around us. I think that's what in community, as we said, it's in community, we gather together to try to do that, to try to, to 
figure out what's going on and what does this mean for our lives? Yeah, I think it's, you know, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, I want to make the joke that you said it's not all kittens and rainbows, but the when we're recording this, this coming Sabbath, we'll read the story of Noah. So it is all kitten and rainbows <laughs> this week. Um, uh, you know, so yes. not this week. Yes. Or, but, yes. Um, but yes, and I, I, I agree with you of, of what you're saying, mm-hmm. is that you want people to come out of services, whether it's Sunday or for you guys, you know, your your Wednesday or your noon services, yes. or for us, it's our, our daily services. You want them coming out um, renewed or energized mm-hmm. um, to go into the world to use the, the precepts of our religions to lead better lives, to to feel good about it, to... You know, see, maybe help others, help others, yes, right, um, or just to feel connected, to mm-hmm. feel connected to yes. God, to, yes. to the community, um, and I think that's one of the beautiful things uh, for Jews of having prayers three times a day, is that it's these check-in moments, that no matter else what's going on during the day, I know that at certain times I'm going to see my community, I'm going to see other people, I'm going to be able to check in talk with them if i need to have you know a conversation i know that i'll have those people to to have those conversations with whether it's for the joy and celebration or whether it's for the the lamenting and and comfort and and you know prayers blessings worship all of that is what is what brings that into our lives and and brings order out of chaos i'm um we have a pattern of those uh, prayers throughout the day as well, um, and they are comforting and and particular for each maybe the moment that we come. In the morning, we would call it matins, and then um, our noonday prayer, and then in the evening is vespers. Um, vespers is a service that we have fairly regularly at St. Matthew's. Uh, it's a service of prayer, essentially. And then there's an, a late night service that um, we often do with our youth. Uh, it's not technically Compline, but we do that as well. So we have them again. Another similarity we have th- these different prayer services throughout the day. Beautiful. I bet me con- my congregants don't know that. Though. We don't. <laughs> we, we don't often talk about it that way. Just telling them to come to church more. That's I know. Uh, I know. Uh, <laughs> Wonderful. Well, uh, wishing you um, lots of blessings today as we as Thank we you. wrap up and, and head on our way. Um, and we know that uh, that we wish everyone uh, the blessings of a good day. We know that uh, communities are praying for one another uh, in the way literally, that we, literally, literally, literally. We, li- uh, we had literally had noon prayer. We taped this, record this on a on Tuesday. We had noon prayer a bit ago, and, and we prayed for you all. So, and, and we appreciate it as as we continue to pray for um, for all those in Israel uh, and for the IDF's success in Israel as well. Um, and we leave you this week again with our line, Tov Shachen Karov Me'ach Rachok. A neighbor nearby is better than a friend far away. See you around the neighborhood. See you around the neighborhood. week on The Clergy Next Door, we'll be looking at specific concepts within each religion and delving into them in more depth to better understand these specific concepts.